This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means you're listening to another episode of the Crowncast. And we did something special. Normally, we do our uh, look ahead, our our pre, our whatever you want to call it, uh, to the game uh, coming up against Miami, and we do that on Wednesday. And on Wednesday, we really didn't know whether we were going to be playing Inter-Messi or Inter-Miami. And now, we kind of know? That's uh, here to kind of know things with me is Ewan. Hello, Ewan. Yes, hello. We kind of know. It's it's 50-50. It's up in the air. But following the tea leaves, we feel like we've got a pretty good chance of playing Inter-Miami versus Inter-Messi. So uh, that's probably the direction we'll be going in, I suppose. Yep. <laughs> We, we've held this one off so that we can do the preview on the team that we think we're actually going to be playing. Uh, obviously, there are, are quite a few caveats we're going to get into in a minute. First and foremost, I want to uh, you know send all the best wishes and the thoughts from the Crown cast. If you don't know, uh, the Belgian and Sweden Euro qualifier has been met with tragedy. And uh, this has happened just today. It happened a few hours ago as of this recording. Uh, so we we hope that you will send your thoughts, your prayers, whatever whatever good vibes you can put into the world there, uh, because we hate to see something like that in our sport. And all we can do is wish the best for those fans, uh, those people who attended the match, and and that peace can be found. Um, you and anything you want to say on this? No, not not too much to add. I suppose there's not not a lot more you can add than just hoping that everything gets resolved as uh, as quickly as possible with this it's obviously a tragic thing to happen so yeah all the all the love goes out to everyone involved in that yeah it's, it's definitely not the way we want to start a podcast with an acknowledgement that something terrible has happened in the world uh but you know this community this football community that we have and that supports us and hopefully we are a, a part of your lives too and and we bring you some joy in the down times uh, when we see something like this, yeah, we want to we want to speak up. We want to to be a community. So uh, all the best to them. I was going to open this this episode with a bit of a joke, and now it just kind of feels tasteless considering uh, what has gone on uh, with with that qualifier. Uh, but I, I will say this: we were talking about whether or not we were going to play Inter Messi or Inter Miami. It does appear like it's going to be Inter uh, Miami. Obviously, Messi coming off of the hamstring strain was only able to play uh, for a short period of time against Cincinnati in the game that mattered. Now that it doesn't matter, I, you know, there is a very real possibility that we're not only not going to see Lionel Messi, we might not see anybody. We might be playing a team of kids. You uh, in these, they, Inter Miami just announced that they are going to have a trip over to China on November 5th and November 8th. They're going to be on the other side of the world doing an off-season tour. What are you looking at this game? Do you think that we're going to be facing their U21s? Or do you think that they're going to give it a fair a fair MLS shake? I think that they'll still field as competitive a side as they, uh, as they can. I, I feel like they will do that because... As much as there is the pageantry with Messi and everything like that, this is ultimately still a football team with a new head coach that is looking to use as much game time as possible to build their identity. Obviously, without Messi, a major cog is not there. But at the same time, it's almost like, okay, he's not here. 
let's go full strength for these last two games and let's see what these players have. Let's see which players can fit in this system. Let's see which players, you know, will will need a bit of work and some specific guidance in the off season. Like, you know, do I need to send in videos of this player who's performed this role? Do I need to put him on this sort of training program? So I do think that while there is technically nothing to play for for this team and at the same time their best player and almost the face of the league at this stage will not be playing for them, it seems, there is still a lot of value in in these games for them. Just in terms of there is a lot of newness. There is a lot of newness happening with this team and they need to take every chance that they have to to continue to build in the right direction. So I would, um, wouldn't be shocked to see some of the younger players who maybe don't get an opportunity come off the bench in the second game that takes place on the weekend. But certainly the starting lineup for the game that happens midweek and then again on the weekend, I do think we'll get the best version of Miami in those games. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those where if I was the Miami coach, I would definitely be looking at this as a bit of a free hit. I think that the fact that Charlotte FC does have something to play for, they know that we're going to come out hot. They know that we're going to come out with uh, a willingness to go through tackles might be the right way to say it. You know, we're not going to shy away from contact. We want to win this game. If I am the head coach of Miami, especially knowing that, you know, he's new to the job, I'm probably looking at this and saying, let's play the good players, but let's try the new stuff. Let's let's go against a team who is going to bring a, a quality MLS attack to our doorstep. Let's try out what we want to be in the future and see how it works. And in a way, I think this really helps Charlotte FC. I think, again, the stars have kind of aligned for them to be playing a side that's not necessarily going to want to go through the tackle. They're not going to push that 50-50 ball. They're not going to want to get into a fight with Enzo Capetti, who wants to get into a fight with everyone. But they are also going to be trying new things. I think it will be relatively high-end players trying the new things, but some of their their you know automatisms may not be as connected as you, you might have seen otherwise. I, I'll say this. I still think Messi's going to play, Ewan. I think he's going to play in the home match for Charlotte FC. I think he's going to play in the bank. And I hate to bring this up because it feels like a bit of a, it feels like a bit of the politics of the world running the world, which it's almost like that's how that works. I think he's (laughs) going to play for the ticket sales. Like it sounds really bad to say that. I think there are going to be a lot of people who bought tickets to see Lionel Messi. And I think he's going to get a 15 or 20 minute cameo at the end of the home match uh, against Charlotte. What do you think? Do you think he's going to feature at all? Or do you think they just leave him on the bench? Um, well, just for context with the uh, the first game that's happening midweek, it clashes very closely with an Argentina match that's taking place on Tuesday. So for people mm-hmm. who don't know about that, just to point that out and say that that does pretty much rule him out of playing midweek, it seems, regardless of his uh, his injury status and everything like that. It seems like the schedule will will keep him out of playing in that game. Uh, and then when it comes to uh, the weekend game you mentioned there, um, one thing that I think you can almost guarantee is that we won't know if he's playing in that game or not until that team is released. Because, for, like you say, the politics of it all, the ticket sales, people going to the stadium, one thing that will definitely happen is that they will say, okay, do not 
announced this a couple days before that he's not coming because we want people to still be there. We want people to arrive and we want there to be this build-up pre-match for this game because we anticipate Messi being there. And I do think that what you bring up there is, is a point. It, it's, it would make a lot of sense in terms of how political his move to Miami was in the first place. A lot of agreements over off-field stuff, agreements with Apple, everything like that. You wouldn't be surprised if it's a touch of, you know, scratching his back and he'll scratch theirs. Just give us 20 minutes in this friendly, uh, in this uh, in this what is ostensibly a friendly game for Inter Miami to show off to the fans his big finale for his MLS season. And then we go into next season with all the hype going around it for his first full season with the league. I can definitely see that happening. And uh, the unfortunate part is that because this Inter Miami side has some talented players outside of him, there's every chance that him coming on in that moment could completely derail the playoff chances of Charlotte FC, all for the sake of politics. <laughs> so we could be the unfortunate victims of what could well be a money play. So, uh, yeah, that would be uh, it'd be some way to end the season. That's for sure. <laughs> I, <laughs> and could I, definitely I, happen. I will tell you, for the media, I mean, we we saw all of the crazy stuff about, you know, inner Miami's instagram going from nothing to five million in like 12 hours after they signed Messi, right probably didn't even take that long probably only took like 12 minutes the media push that that guy has i will tell you if i was david tepper one i would probably read at least one of the things that people are saying about me as a sports owner but two i would i'd be banging on enter miami's door i'd be kicking that door down saying look, this guy is playing. I don't care if it's for 20 minutes. Uh, you know, this guy comes on and he plays at the bank. And if I am in or Miami's owner, I am banging down Messi's door going, hey, I need you to play 20 minutes at this, at Charlotte FC. It, it needs to happen. Sometimes you you go on stage and you you play the part. If I am the MLS, if I'm the, the leadership in the MLS, I'm banging on both doors. <laughs> <laughs> saying this needs to happen this needs to happen and the, the reason is because Messi didn't come here to win trophies don't get me wrong Messi might win a few trophies while he's here but Messi didn't come here to win trophies he was not brought by Apple by MLS by the various different teams that were involved in getting him here so that he could not show up to games he was brought so that people who desperately want to see the magic that is Lionel Messi play football on the pitch. And if he wants to continue that image, if the MLS want to continue that image, if they want to continue to grow and, and try and push football in the United States to a higher level, Messi needs to play because he needs that exposure and the MLS needs that exposure from Messi in Charlotte. Now, like I said, I think that will be achieved with a 15 to 20 minute cameo, not a game of Lionel Messi being the most dominant force in football the world has ever seen. It's it's a fine line of politics that I don't like having to even talk about, but I do think is probably going to end up being walked. I do think if he does not play, there are going to be some some riots because I do know there have been a couple people who spent a fair amount of money on on these tickets. So 
I hope he's there for for the fans' sake, if nobody else is, right? Yes, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll say this as well in terms of that. Um, I obviously we played Chicago away not too long ago. I don't know if anyone caught glimpses of the stands at that game, but that was not a a, a well populated game in uh, in Soldier Field for Chicago. They also recently played into Miami at home in a game that a lot of people would have been anticipating him being for, and that place was packed. Yep. So they've already had that situation themselves of anticipating Messi and uh, it, it not quite working out that way. So, uh, yeah, you mentioned they're both owners. You mentioned MLS themselves. As much as Charlotte will need a result in this game, there's probably going to be a lot of people there in Charlotte jerseys who will be disappointed if he doesn't play as, as, as much of a dichotomy as that is. It's um, it, it's in everyone's interest almost for him to play this game, other than the people who are diehard. Charlotte FC fans. I'll I'll be honest. I think the best result for Charlotte is he or we go to Inter Miami and we crush them. We beat them four nil. We get the three points, and then in that next game, in that home game, we come up and we score in the first ten minutes. Because if we if we have already won a game and we're on forty two points, we could be in. Like the we could not need a result at all, depending on how other games go. So if we need the result and we score in the first 10 minutes, everybody's going to the beach. Everyone is going to the beach. If a goal goes in in the first 10 (laughs) minutes in that match, everyone is walking. No one is risking their knees. And if that happens, there's not a lot of reason that they wouldn't put Messi in. Like other than if he has a legitimate, genuine injury. If everybody's on the beach and Charlotte has already said, look, we're winning this game. You guys aren't going to fight us. We have... Uh, you know, we have everything in the bag. We're not going to go through Messi's legs with a slide tackle. Then they put Messi in just for the show. And at the same time, that kind of makes me feel disgusted because I want to see Messi play football, right? Like I, I want to see him do what he does best, not just amble around and pass the ball twice and then wave at the crowd. Yeah, there is also the element that he can uh, accidentally win a game even if he is trying to go on the field and uh, and take things a little bit casually there is just also the chance that him playing whatever his version of on the beach is somehow still produces a couple moments of magic which end up uh swinging the result of the game but yeah you've uh, you've laid out the perfect scenario there if we can just take care of business midweek then i think the people arriving to that stadium whether messi plays whether he doesn't they'll be arriving there with a with a party atmosphere, uh, ready to uh, ready to burst, and uh, yeah, if we get an early goal in that game, then brilliant. But it all focuses in on that midweek game. That'll set the tone for pretty much everything that happens on the weekend. I feel like. Yeah, we'll we will see. I think now that we have have beaten into the ground the fact that if we see Lionel Messi, it's it's going to be a cameo. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the team we are likely to play because, and I didn't do this earlier, so I'm going to do it now. Uh, Ewan, it says here in these laws of the MLS that I've looked up uh, that teams with Messi in them are actually allowed to have other players as well. Did you were you aware of this? Unfair. Yeah, it's it true. I seems <laughs> It seems like it was just supposed to be Messi versus eleven people, uh, but but no, actually, uh, Inter Miami has other people, and some of them 
despite the fact that they were the bottom of the league before Messi, are actually quite <laughs> good at the football. Uh, so we're going to talk about a couple of their kind of main threats, a couple of the big names you might have heard of, and a couple of the ways that we can uh, potentially go there and get our four to five goals. Uh, do you want to start sort of on the back line for them, or do you want to start where some of the bigger names are, Ewan? Um, I think the entertainers play further forward uh, the, the the relevance in this team. So we can we can start with those guys and and maybe work backwards um, if so, that suits. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with with the big name, right? Uh, because it's kind of amazing to say that uh, Sergio Busquets is is not the big name on Inter Miami. <laughs> for for people who are not familiar with him, can you tell us a little bit a little bit about who Busquets is? what he's done in his career, what type of midfielder he is, and what you expect him to do against Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned there, take it from a an overall contextualized point. I mean, he's the, uh, I, I don't like saying all-time stuff because uh, I, I'm not ov- overall familiar with all-time. I've not been there to watch the greats have passed and everything like that, but definitely the best holding midfielder, the best six of my lifetime, uh, of anyone that I've been able to watch. Um, it, it just an incredible footballer who is one of those guys who people could talk about for ages and ages and still be underrated. Just absolutely incredible liquid footballer who set the tone for the best side. Again, don't like saying all time, but what people regard as as maybe the best team of all time that had Messi in it, that 2011 Barcelona side. He was the midfield mm-hmm. metronome for that side. Everyone knows about some of the other players in there, Iniesta, Xavi. He was the deepest midfield player who, you know, he was uh, he he was orchestrating everything that was happening. And it's one of those roles where holding midfielder like him in a really good side, people would say, you know, maybe it's the easiest job on earth. You just get it to the good players. They take on a player, they make a killer pass, and everything comes from there. Not quite that simple <clears throat> when uh, when you when you're seen as the uh, as the trigger for uh, a lot of opposition teams and uh, there's there's some beautiful YouTube montages of him escaping pressure and evading pressure. If anyone has a spare ten or fifteen minutes to to get a grip of how good this guy is, I would recommend those. Um, so yeah, I I can't really speak highly enough of the player career wise uh, and, and what he's done. Uh, speaking about the player that we have now and, and what he's done in his uh, Inter Miami career so far, <clears throat> he's taken that orchest- orchestrator role and, and basically times it by 10 because now he is standing in the midfield and basically pointing everyone around as to where they should be in context of what's happening. He did that anyway at a top team like Barca, but now it's it, it's you know manager on the field times 10. And yeah. some of the players who we'll get on to speaking about um, who also play in this side, very young side overall, and almost need that guidance of, okay, when this happens here, you be here. When the ball is on this side, you need to position here because then it'll come to me and then we'll do this. And those 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 puzzle figuring out <clears throat> that football produces, he's he's at the centre of all of that. So... Yeah, I think I think a particular so, thing to look out for with uh, with uh, with Busquets in this game is just how much respect he's actually paid by a team that likes to press. I think that'll be interesting because we'll get after any number six in midfield mostly, but I think in this game we'll be very happy to give him a little bit of respect. But you never know with Latanzio. 
he could so, this could be his ultimate uh, piece so that'll be interesting to watch what what do you think the odds are that we just tell Derek Jones to stand on his toes like what what do you think the odds are we're just like hey Derek I want you to consistently be giving Sergio Busquets a hug right not like a rude hug like a loving yeah. <laughs> gentle giant embrace yeah. of you know yeah okay maybe he can't escape but that's not because you're being rough with him you're just so large that that you're very hard to move, right? You're just trying to you're trying to show your appreciation as a fan. Yeah, I mean, I, Derek Derek Jones is a uh, by trade is a holding midfielder. So if he's done his research on the position, he might just see Sergio Busquets in the warm up and want to give him a hug for everything that he's done for the position. There's there's every chance that way you might not need to be told to do that. <laughs> yeah, the the holding midfielder role we've talked about it with how Ashley Westwood has transitioned into this holding midfielder role. Uh, if you look across the world right now some of the the biggest purchases in football history especially in this last window uh Chelsea and Arsenal both purchased a, you know the hot new holding midfielders both upwards of 100 million british pounds uh this this is a really important role in a team but it's a role that relies on the people ahead of him one thing that does kind of bother me about this guy and worries me about this guy is his press resistance you and you talk about the fact that he's pretty hard to get the ball off of. Would you call that a Derek Jones s skill? It's the it falls under the same category of press resistance, but Derek Jones is just so big, so strong, he can keep people off him. Sergio Busquets has eyes in the back of his head, the side of his head, and the top of his head when he needs it. He can he can beat you with a quick shimmy move or a little scan and a dribble. He's almost Derek Jones. You know why you can't get the ball off him because he's so yeah. big and strong. Sergio Busquets is tall, but it's more his manipulation. He's a magician with it, and uh, so, that, that, that's almost probably more frustrating. So, how would you how would you rate his ability to turn someone? Not not necessarily like see someone coming and move the ball out of their way and let them go flying by. One on one, how do you rate his ability to just let that person come, turn them, and move up the field? Uh, the greatest player of all time at doing that. Okay, see, now that's the problem. That's what worries me, uh, is because uh, Charlotte FC, at right now, we are we tend to be playing uh, that pretty attacking offensive midfield that, that we've got set up. And if he does that to Brant Bronico, the person behind is Ashley Westwood. And not that I don't think Ashley Westwood's a decent defender, but we've talked about the fact that that's probably his not not his most natural position, which means if they get runners down our wings and we know that we are susceptible to runners down our wings, if they get runners down our wings and he turns someone in the midfield, we could be in danger. That's my worry. Uh, I think that Christian, if I can spot it at first glance, Christian Latanzio knows it's there, right? So we'll see what happens. We'll see if there's some double team on him. But my my concern is that he might just be able to remove someone and then ping a ball out to to the danger wings. Let's talk uh, somebody else from Inter Miami. I am going to murder this, but Benja Kromeski is the way that uh, we were going to pronounce this. Is that correct, Ewan? Um, yeah, no, not one hundred percent. And I've listened. I, yeah, I've listened to obviously the commentary of, of some of the games that they have on uh, on the MLS League Pass, and there's been a variation there as well. It, it, on first glance, I would I would say Kramashi uh, would be my Kramashi, guess. Or yes. Krim, or, yeah, around there, I would say. I'm just going to call him Benjamin. Is yeah, that okay? Ben. <laughs> uh, my, yeah. 
in the Diagara zone. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in the Diagara zone for me. I'm just going to call him Benjamin. Uh, this guy's gotten a lot of media attention for being a very young 18-year-old player. Uh, he is one of the people who I would say has gotten the Messi boost. Everybody looks better while Messi's around. You know, a rising tide floats all boats and all that stuff. Uh, is this guy worth the media hype, in your opinion? Or is this a guy who is right now flashing in the pan? Um, I think that he's worth the media hype overall just because of how good a player he is. It's just not something that has yet materialized in the games that he's played so far, in my opinion. Obviously, this is always objective stuff, and uh, he has gained a lot of hype for his performances in-game. But for me, uh, it, it's not been quite at that level just yet. And and this is... It's always it feels kind of harsh to say just because of how young the guy is. He's only 18, but and, and he'll get to that level. But yeah, overall, definitely worth the hype for me. Uh, I think what's interesting with him is the role that he's playing in the um, in the Messi-less into Miami. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like a, it's like a hybrid left side of midfield, but playing really narrow when they have the ball. Uh, it, everything, and this will be something that gets noticed in the game on Wednesday, I feel like, this is a team that you'll look at the team sheet, they'll lay them out in a 4-3-3 most likely, but then when they're in possession, you will see things work very differently with players moving over to that right side and a big left flank left pretty much empty uh, for the uh, for the left back to uh, attack all of that space. Uh, in Kramashi, I think they do that because they want him to be getting into those certain areas in uh, inside and it almost works perfectly against the way that 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 Charlotte uh, that Charlotte want to play with the uh, with the narrowness if you can clutter that space and create space in droves on the left side for uh, mm-hmm. for the left back who in this game will uh, will likely be Noah Allen then you're pretty much onto a winner from that perspective but also what that does create is you're dealing with these cluttered spaces when you're creating that space on the far side. So do you have the playmakers to deal with it? You certainly do with someone like Busquets if he finds himself in uh, in cluttered areas, as we've just touched on. And Kramashi's best skill is that tight area quickness, just the idea of him being able to drop the shoulder and get out of tight areas. So that's probably going to be something that you'll see a lot from him in this game. And yeah, if you were looking for the best version of his audition tape, or at least you're wanting to find a game state that would set that up, this is probably mm-hmm. exactly what you'd be looking for. And and similar goes for uh, for Facundo Farias as well, who who technically plays ahead of him on that left wing spot. But like I say, those two players come a little bit inside and and occupy those more cluttered spaces and 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 take advantage with with nice close control to uh, to to win their duels in those areas. So yeah, Kramashi. I know from a lot of people there'll be a USMNT perspective with this. So uh, yeah, if he's having a good if he's having a good game. Like I think he could well do, then uh, yeah, just uh, use that as your uh, as your crutch to uh, to rely on if, uh, if if he's doing a good job here. Because I know that there's a lot of uh, a lot of faith in him that he's going to be a big player for that side going forward. So uh, yeah, every silver lining. So <clears throat> excuse me. One of the other people I want to talk about is Joseph Martinez. Martinez is a guy who understands the MLS league really well. Obviously, he's been around for a very long time. Uh, had some very successful years with Atlanta. Tell us about Joseph Martinez. How does he fit in this role other than he's a bit of an elder statesman in this team? Well, I guess with Busquets and Messi, he's not. But now he is again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with him, it almost um, he's not a similar type of player to an Enzo Capetti. 
I think they 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 perform that well they have different skills and, and, and different areas where they thrive most. But you could say that the roles that they'll be playing for the respective teams could be fairly similar from the perspective of they're both kind of trying to get out the way of things when it comes to early build-up. I know that seems like an obvious thing to say with a nine, but when it comes to lone strikers, you will often see them coming to the right side, coming to the left side, dropping in deep, letting the runners go beyond them. With this team, and I talk about the uh, the cluttered space that can happen behind the striker, it really is the job of occupying the defenders. And this will be more a case for uh, Capetti than it will be for, uh, for Martinez, but lengthening the field, making sure that if they stay on the last man, then if the ball goes over the top, they are there to lengthen the field and get restarts in the form of throw-ins, win free kicks, everything like that. But that's the role that Martinez will have in this game, um, especially with the uh, with the playmakers surrounding him. So don't be shocked if he's someone who you maybe don't notice as much throughout this game. Obviously, he's a he's a big name, and you'll be thinking, oh, with 25 minutes in, it doesn't really feel like he's he's had his impact. Um, just don't you know? Don't go to sleep on him. Don't uh, don't don't get complacent with that because uh, he'll be keeping himself away from most of the action, but he'll definitely be giving the two centre backs that we play with a hard time, especially if we go with the high line that we've seen in a lot of our games of late. Because if that happens, then he will have the opportunity to lengthen the field. He will be looking to run in behind, and again, kind of goes back to: Will we be brave with what we do? Will we press? The, oh, I think we're going all resist- out. Yeah, will we press the most press-resistant well, number six I, I've ever seen play football? Will well, we play a high line in front of a player like uh, Martinez? It all goes. It all stands to reason why we wouldn't. But like you mentioned, every chance that we go all out. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I think we're going to go all out, and here's my reasoning. Even with Messi, this team gives up goals. This is not a team that is in, like, this is a team that, if you look at their last couple outings, even with even with Messi, they have given up 2.0, 3.2, 1.6, 1.5, 0. 0.7 was a pretty decent uh, defensive display, but that was against Toronto. We, I mean, worst team in the league. I think we gave them something <laughs> like 0.001 XG against us. Uh, so the, maybe the fact that they gave up 0. 0.7 against Toronto means that even they, they were even bad against Toronto, right? 1.8. 1.4, 2.3. Uh, you have to really go back all the way to their home draw against Nashville to find a game where defensively I would have said they had a reasonably solid performance. This game is here for us to take. Like the threat of this game, I think, was always going to be that it could have been a high scoring game. I think that Charlotte is going to be looking at this as we can go and we can put two goals in or three goals in. Hopefully, three, because Charlotte has proven two goals is not safe for them. <laughs> uh, we can go and we can put two goals in the back of the net, three goals in the back of the net, and be and be out, right? And then go to the beach and be ready for the next home one. I do want to talk about, uh, really quickly, I want to talk about Robert Taylor because this is a guy who was a big factor for the team before Messi and kind of got bumped as Messi came. And now if Messi is is a bit off the table, you know, what do you think of Taylor do you think we are going to see a lot from him and he might have a big role to play sans Messi? Yeah, I think to to answer that, you almost touch on, you have to touch on why him and Messi work so well, why he got that bump. Obviously, playing with great players will help your game generally. 
but there is something uh, specific with Taylor that helps for him, and that's that he's a winger who's happy to run off the ball. He, he plays a few positions, but in terms of him playing as a winger in those games and playing out wide, he's happy to run off the ball and get onto three balls. We have someone in Mackenzie Gaines who likes to play that way, but we also have players like Kamil Yuzviak and Justin Merrim who play on the wing, who are much happier to get the ball directly to feet and then go do something. Robert uh, Taylor is a willing off-ball runner, which for someone like Messi is, is exactly what you want, someone who's able to play through balls. One of the main things that Inter Miami would do in settled possession is he would drop in deep, pick the ball off the centre-backs or the full-backs, bring the midfielders out and lull the defence out, uh, out of their deep shape a little bit because they know he's playing up the field, and then quickly zip one over the top for Robert Taylor to get on the end of. Not that a lot of their goals came from this, but a lot of chance creation came from this, and maybe it's something to log for next season that a lot of their goals will come from if that continues. In this game, without Messi, with the way that they set up, I still think that he could have an impact if he does play because they have a major emphasis on overloading one side and getting width on the other, like I mentioned there with uh, with overloading one side with Kramashi and uh, and Facundo coming over and and leaving that side bare to uh, to a fullback. You could see the reverse happen if the play does come down the left side, but it's a little bit more even with Yedlin underlapping and Robert Taylor on that right side providing the width. So as much as he got a major Messi bump, I do think that if you were picking a side where, okay, without Messi, who could he have an impact again? Uh, who could he have an impact against? It's probably a team like Charlotte with the way that we set up. One thing that I would say is that pre-Messi, he did get most of his joy in transition and for as much as we could play aggressive uh, and give up some transition opportunities Miami will look to play fairly settled possession and he won't naturally get transition moments they won't manufacture transition moments as much without Messi so maybe it won't be as much in their game plan that he gets those opportunities but there's every chance that if we play aggressively that they can make that adjustment and suddenly if he starts he does become a major factor in the game again all goes back to how we set up against them. We set up yep. against them however we set up against them, and that could dictate the terms of who becomes really important for Inter Miami. So, yeah, I'm glad that we got that from you on Robert Taylor because he was the one I pointed to and went, mm, don't love that, right? We talked about my thought process that what, what scares me is Busquets in the midfield, his ability to just take someone out of the play and then have 10 yards of green grass in front of him or green turf in front of him. And... Uh, just ping a ball into that area that we know we've struggled in on that side. Uh, you know, we're looking at uh, probably uh, Uronin and Andrew Privet are going to be in that slot. Both of whom are people that move forward quite heavily, move uh, interior into the midfield. There's going to be space on that wing. If I was going to be concerned about Charlotte FC in this match, it's going to be on that wing. Um, now I say that the moment I put that into the into the world, recorded on a microphone, they're going to score down our left side or down our <laughs> defensive right side because I said it. But Taylor in that role is the one that scares me, and it, it's kind of that Taylor uh, Busquets combination that that has me thinking. This is a team that has not put up good defensive records. Ewan, why are they so bad defensively? And where is Charlotte going to get our plethora of goals? 
Well, yeah, they, they they have struggled defensively. You, uh, yeah, you mentioned the the XGs against, and I mean, you can always talk about goals against, and maybe that'll regress either way. But yeah, the XGs against are pretty consistent, and say that this is a team that's happy to uh, uh, to to give up a good amount of chances, supposedly banking on the fact that they'll be able to score uh, more at the other end of the field. Um, but for me, their defensive fragility basically comes from how they deploy the fullbacks. They make a big bet on the width of their fullbacks playing high and wide. It's um, it, it's almost refreshing if you are a football traditionalist who has watched the Charlotte FC inversion all season to see that this is a team that plays very traditional fullback play for a possession side. Those guys get right up the field, especially when it was uh, when it was DeAndre Yedlin uh, and Jordi Alba. Jordi Alba, much like Messi, maybe unlikely to play in these games, so it'll be. Uh, I believe the uh, uh, his name escapes me now, but it's uh, I think I mentioned him earlier. Noah, Noah something. Um, who'll be playing on the left side? Um, Noah, oh, Allen, yeah. I believe it is who'll be playing, and and just trying to get a a good idea of his style. It seems like they're not deviating too much from that. He's a he's a young kid. He's nineteen years old, and and they're happy to let him learn that role as uh, as Jordi Alba was playing it as well. So, as much as you mentioned your fear for for giving up things out wide for Charlotte defensively. If we're going to create chances in this game and, and what into Miami have, uh, have been fragile with themselves, it's transitional wing play when they get those fullbacks high and wide. So yep. if we're able to sit in there and be a little bit patient, those opportunities will come. And uh, when I describe that, I imagine for a lot of people, the name that's coming to mind is Mackenzie Gaines. That this yep. is a game where you get all <laughs> you get all that space, you get him in behind. So I think it would be it would be a shock if he wasn't starting, but it would certainly be something where if he's starting, it's like yeah, I agree with that massively. I think this game is absolutely suited to him. The other thing in terms of their defensive fragility, very poor defensively from set pieces. This is something so, that we don't talk about that often. Set pieces, yeah. but defensively for them a real weak area, which would be interesting to see if we put together something which is able to capitalise on that, whether we use screening from these set pieces when we have a size advantage, because it it really does stand out that this is a team that's weak from set pieces. They have a goalkeeper who doesn't have the greatest presence from from, uh, from set piece situations and a team that also doesn't feel comfortable when the ball is coming into the deep areas of the box and also particularly set pieces that go to the front post they have a struggle with because I don't think their organization is great because they, if, if I had to assume they're probably not dedicating a load of time to it. So if that's an area of weakness that we, uh, if there's an area of weakness specifically that I think we can target alongside the transitional wide stuff, I think set pieces is an area where we should really think about taking advantage and really work on some stuff in the build up to these two games. So one of the questions I was going to have for you is, is this a McKenzie Gaines game? And it sounds like it's a McKenzie Gaines game for you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when I describe their weaknesses, it's hard not for his name to to come into mind as, yep, that, that fits like a glove, that he would be the winger who gets picked to play in this. But again, wouldn't be a shock if he didn't play because Latanzio, he has his favourites, he has his own way of setting up. But the way I uh, the way I see it from, from studying this into Miami team, that seems like the best way to get after them in transition. The fast player. It, it, it's as simple at, as that, I suppose. <laughs> at this point, it wouldn't surprise me if it's Derek Jones on the right wing. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I, I do think there's probably a fair shout out for Kamal Yuzviak. He played pretty well in his last couple games. Uh, he does have a fair bit of pace about him. I think that, you know, the question still remains with Kamil that 
his his ceiling is so high, but his floor is so low. Do you reward the player who who had some really good uh, games, who who played well in the last one, and give him another shot, or do you go with Mackenzie Gaines, who you just know is going to have the speed down that sideline? When you have a game like this, where both people are kind of willing to give up the back backside of their defense on the wings, unfortunately, a lot of times it's one in the midfield, right? And we just talked about the fact that Busquets is not a uh, is not a pushover in the midfield. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Carroll, I think, in this one. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Brandt in this one, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on Ashley Westwood in this one. And I don't feel as bad for Ashley because he's the captain of the team. He's the big midfielder. That's the reason you have him there is to step up in moments like these. I do feel like this is going to be a, a big challenge for Brandt because just running hard probably isn't going to get it done. Uh, knowing what we know, do you think on that left side, you would look at Brecht and say, hey, go play five aside in the midfield with the boys <laughs> and then support that that area? Or would you be looking at, you know, maybe a, a Kerwin Vargas or a Kamal Yuzhviak to hold that width and give us another option? I would probably go with Vargas. That would be my preference in this game to go with Vargas. That comes from a couple different places. Just the uh, how I see this game playing out. Also the fact that I, I just think he's a better player than maybe other people do as well. Particularly maybe Latanzio, given how the uh, the team selections have been recently. Um, I just yeah, Diagra on the left in a game like this. I just I I I love. We've spoken about it before. I love Diagra. Love him. I think his best positions is an eight. I think he's absolutely someone who should start in our best full-strength lineup as an eight. Him on the left side in this game, having to deal with um, underlapping from DeAndre Yedlin, passing that off between the midfield. Just a big ask, I think. I, I think it's a big ask in a game like this. And when you factor in just how cluttered that area could be, asking him to be on the left and also get involved in that area where his strengths are the technical side, rather than adding someone who has the technical ability, but also has that element of physicality, of the speed and power. I, I think, you know, Styles making fights, I, I would go with Vargas on the left side in this one. And, you know, give them something to think about. Play your two most traditional get-behind-the-fullback uh, wingers and and give them something to think about in that area. And it might create a little bit more space in midfield for yourself. You know, it's almost uh, it, it's a version of being aggressive in your, in your team selection that could have an impact in the game. and if it doesn't have an impact in the game and they still want to play the way they want to play, then guess what? We'll take our chances and we'll get it. We'll, we'll attack that space when we get the opportunities to. So I know that this is not going to be a popular opinion uh, or I don't know, maybe it will be a popular opinion. Let's find out. You know, uh, if you like this opinion, let us know, send us a, send us a message on Instagram or, or on Twitter. Um, <laughs> if you hate it, let us know. I, I think this is a game you take out Enzo Capetti. Uh, you either take out Enzo Capetti or you take out uh, Carol Trudersky. And I, between the two of them, I think you probably take out Enzo. And my reasoning is this. I think you move Carol back to the front. And uh, you put Derek Jones in and you tell Derek Jones to just stand on Sergio Busquets. I mean, we have seen Derek Jones literally pick dangerous players up and put them in his pocket when that was all he had to do. Right. When that's his only job. And I think you could just tell the big man, hide this guy in your pocket, 
walk out with him. We don't even want to know he's there. And and I think that there could be some real tactical advantage to doing that. Now, it is important that we state that because we have uh, solid foundational reasons for all of the things that we said we would do today, absolutely none of them will happen. Uh, that uh, everything that we've talked about, <laughs> throw it out the window. Uh, we <laughs> is there anything you and you want to you want to throw a final say in on on the preview for Miami? I'll say this um, on the point you just made there, which is a good point in terms of just you know buffering that midfield a little bit more and and dropping one of Capetti or Osvaldeski. And, and you mentioned there you would you would rather drop Capetti. Um, I think this almost might be one of those situations where it, the international break and what's happened comes with an, a convenient excuse because Karol Svodersky on Sunday played 90 minutes um, for Poland, played the full 90 mm-hmm. minutes of that game. And there's every chance that, you know, he's he's travelled back on the uh, on the immediate aftermath of that game or he's travelled back on Monday and has arrived, is going to arrive on Tuesday. I feel like there's every chance that Latanzio knowing that he wants to buffer that midfield, rather than having to have the difficult conversation of dropping Capetti, it almost works as a convenient excuse to say, Carol, you've been away on international duty. You, you, you're not as fresh as, yeah. as, yeah, you're not as fresh as Capetti is because he's had the rest. We, we're going to go with Capetti to start this game and, and we can, you know, we can bring you off the bench after an hour. I mean, if, if he absolutely wants to go with Swiderski and has the reasons to go with him, he'll play him. But I do yeah. think if it's a tiebreaker decision, then the squad harmony element, the idea of just Capetti being pressure and having that rest, it could be the tiebreaker in this. So if what you say happens, and I do think there's a very good chance that it does, that we go to buffer the midfield and one of those two guys misses out, I think that it could conveniently fall that because of his international duty, Svidersky is the player who misses out and, and is on the bench in place of Capetti. I agree with you. I'd probably go with Svidersky, all things being equal. But I do think the international uh, the international break and, and Svidersky playing 90 minutes on Sunday could have an impact on the selection. Yeah, and obviously we're going to beat them 4-0 no matter what we do. So uh, I'd say <laughs> we should roll out the Crown Legacy. But again, they're really good. So uh, we're not going to roll out the Crown Legacy just because we don't want to humiliate them, right? Like we want, we still want everybody to feel like the league is competitive. We don't want the Crown Legacy out here 10 nilling people. That wouldn't be any fun. Um, yeah, that'd be great fun. Let's do that. <laughs> um, all right, we are going to go ahead and begin to wrap it up. Uh, we'll get this one out to you. Hopefully, you enjoy it. It gives you a little look ahead into our our final matches for a playoff run. Obviously, I think four points is the mark. I think we definitely need four. Uh, six wins it. Six, and we're in. Nobody can stop us at six. So, uh, as ever, you in. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, uh, looking forward to these games. And uh, yeah, it'd be great if we can get some results and keep playing football beyond these two, wouldn't it? It would. We do love the football, uh, as do you. And thank you so much for being with us, dear listener. As ever, we love you. Thank you again. Uh, if you want to find us online, you can find us on Instagram at the underscore crown underscore cast, on Twitter at the underscore crown cast. And that's it. We're going to wrap it up because we want to we go watch the game. We want to see it too. Uh, Have a good day or night or whenever you're listening to this. And we will talk to you again after we go take collectively six points slash three points for post-react off of Inter-Miami. Goodbye. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com.